RHS English Othello Podcasts Act 1, Scene 2 The theme of deceit is as central to the play as that of jealousy. It is explored at the opening of Scene 2 where Shakespeare employs dramatic irony as Iago relates his version of events to Othello. Once again, as in the previous scene, Shakespeare begins the action in the middle of a conversation. The audience, similarly to many of the characters, only gets some of the story. Iago declares that, Though in the trade of war I have slain men, yet do I hold it very stuff of the conscience to do no contrived murder. I lack iniquity sometimes to do me service. Here he is drawing a line between behaviour acceptable on the battlefield and that expected in civilised society. Whilst he admits he can kill men in battle, he also reveals that he finds it impossible to do them any kind of harm out with this arena. The fact that he bemoans his lack of iniquity is particularly rich, being himself the most iniquitous character in the play. Such an honourable attitude should certainly endear us to Iago, but, as Shakespeare has already demonstrated, Iago is far from honourable. This also serves to demonstrate Iago's contempt at, or, at the very least, disinterest in, the opinions of the audience. This character, who confides in us through soliloquy, exhibits no shame or guilt when manipulating the other characters in the play in front of our very eyes. It is even amusing that the one flaw he admits, his inability to deceive and perpetrate evil, is the very antithesis of reality. Iago is iniquity personified. It is when he is being his most honest that Iago reveals the very depths of his wickedness. Reputation, as we will see as the play develops, is another central concern. Up until this scene, Othello's reputation has taken something of a battering, the general being portrayed, largely by Iago, as a villainous, deceiving rogue who is a most unsuitable suitor. On receiving Iago's news of Brabantio's imminent arrival, one might expect Othello to run for cover, to evade sight and responsibility for his uncouth actions. Iago, as we have seen, was only too quick to escape discovery after rousing Brabantio from his peaceful sleep, Farewell, for I must leave you. It seems not meet nor wholesome to my place to be produced, as if I stay I shall against the moor. With this excuse, he deserted Rodrigo, his puppet, to incur Brabantio's wrath alone. The fact that Othello does not do this, choosing instead to remain and face the consequences, immediately suggests his more noble character. Standing firm, he declares... Let him do his spite. My services, which I have done the seigneury, shall out-tongue his complaints. He is quite prepared to meet Brabantio, enraged though Desdemona's father might be, defending himself with nothing more but his reputation. All the great and noble deeds he has done for the ruling powers, the services which he has done the seigneury, shall stand as testament to his virtuous character. Despite Iago's protestations, Othello remains... I must be found, my parts, my title, and my perfect soul shall manifest me rightly. Whether a sensible action or not, this is certainly a brave one. He certainly believes a man's name is sufficient to ensure justice. 
Having witnessed such a measured display, the audience would be forgiven for being slightly confused. Where is the animal, the black ram and the Barbary horse, of which Iago spoke? In this instance, Othello epitomises virtue and nobility as he calmly awaits the storm. During this scene, Shakespeare also continues his examination of the theme of deceit through Brabantio. Desdemona's father, fueled by his anger at his daughter's apparent deception, articulates some of the racial prejudices of Venetian society of the time. His first attack, damned as thou art, thou hast enchanted her, suggests that Othello could only have won his daughter through trickery. The root of his anger is exposed as he continues, for I'll refer me to all things of sense, if she in chains of magic were not bound, whether a maid so tender, fair and happy, so opposite to marriage, that she shunned the wealthy curled darlings of her nation, would ever have to incur a general mock, run from her garage to the sooty bosom of such a thing as thou, to fear, not to delight. Rabancho finds it impossible to believe that Desdemona would willingly have allowed herself to be drawn to a sooty bosom that of a black man. This is particularly incomprehensible to him as she has ignored the advances of the Curl Darlings, the white suitors of Venetian society. This serves to illustrate the strength of love between the unlikely couple. They have forged a strong bond despite the expectations of the time. This is, perhaps, also the thing which arcs Iago that a beauty such as Desdemona should fall for such an undeserving suitor. Iago may well be jealous of any man tempting Desdemona, but most especially a man such as Othello. Despite being subject to the jealousies and prejudices of others, Othello once again demonstrates his noble and patient disposition. As Brabancho arrives and hotly declares, Down with him, thief! Othello eloquently responds, Keep up your bright swords, for the Jew will rust them. Good signor, you shall more command with years than with your weapons. This great general, this man of war, shows little desire to ply his trade off the battlefield, suggesting that Brabancho's position and nobility will command greater respect than a rash show of strength. Othello, once again, reveals his belief in the power of reputation, Brabantio's title being of more relevance than the blade of a sword. Having coolly parried this initial attack, he maintains a most tolerant exterior in the face of Brabantio's further verbal assaults. He refuses to be riled by charges of being a foul thief, a practiser of arts inhibited, and an abuser of the world. Such a sustained attack on his reputation would surely justify an aggressive response. Othello, however, does not counter in a rash and passionate manner, choosing instead to rely on speech to defend his honour. Attempting to relax the situation, he commands, Hold your hands, both you of my inclining and the rest. Were it my cue to fight, I should have known it without a prompter. Where will you that I go to answer this your charge? Othello is not willing to resort to arms in order to resolve this quarrel. It is apparent, as we have seen already, that he is prepared to seek a more peaceful resolution. 
Crucially, he shows that he will not be easily manipulated. He will not readily take up arms merely because others encourage him to. This strength of character is admirable indeed and shows the difficult task Iago faces if he is to bend him to his will. Time for your pair paragraph. Look at Iago's warning to Othello near the start of the scene, lines 6 to 17. In your paragraph, you should consider how he strengthens his own reputation as honest Iago, while simultaneously demonstrating the sly methods of his deceit. You could comment on Iago's notions of how to gain a good reputation in comparison to Othello's. Your opening sentence might be, Shakespeare uses Iago to demonstrate the subtle devices required for deceit as well as the importance of reputation. Here's the extract. Nay, but he prated and spoke such scurvy and provoking terms against your honour that, with little godliness I have, I did full hard forbear him. But I pray, sir, are you fast married? For be sure of this, that the Magnifico is much beloved and hath in his effect a voice potential as double as a duke's. He will divorce you, or put upon you, what restraint and grievance the law, with all his might and force it on, will give him cable. <laughs> 